Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. When Abraham Lincoln stood on the Gettysburg battlefield November 1863, the American people were adrift in a sea of blood. The U.S. was only 87 years old. And despite being so young, it had been, you know, conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, and it was now caught in this terrible inferno of a great civil war. Lincoln told the crowd that had assembled for the dedication of the battlefield, again at Gettysburg, and its cemetery, that it was altogether fitting and proper that men should memorialize those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. The editors at NationalReview.com say they today, over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we remember all of those who not only put on their country's cloth, but who never came home. Remembering, however, is not enough. As Lincoln told us, it is for us, the living, who need to dedicate ourselves to the great task remaining before us. He said, quote, that these that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. So as free people, as citizens, not subjects, We owe it to those men and women who have shed their blood in our defense to take up not merely our rights, but our duties and our responsibilities, too, to our families, to our communities, and to our country. And for 247 years, Americans have gone forth to war in defense of home and our liberties, and some have not come home. And so in solemn gratitude, we remember them and remember to live up to their memory, which is what we should all be called to do. There was a piece at uh, hotair.com over the weekend I read by David Strom, and he taps into something that I've found my, I find myself asking a lot over the, and increasingly over the last few years. What is it that holds us together as Americans? What is it that, that binds us, that unites us together? And I think he puts his finger on this and why in a, the, the headline on the piece is called What Makes America Work and Why It Is Stumbling. And the thing that unites us has traditionally been an idea. But with the undermining of those, the precepts or the, the underpinnings of the, of the idea, there isn't anything that unites us anymore. And then we, we balkanize. Because we are like the most diverse nation of a free society, self-governing, and usually, I mean, this idea, he goes through and he talks at length about the, uh, the concept of a nation-state. It's not exactly a, uh, 
well, it's, it's a fairly new development in world history. He says nations are a relatively new concept, although large and small political entities have been around for at least eight to 10,000 years. Political units either tended to be based upon shared identities from tribes to cities or upon conquest by force, like empires. Nations, though, are larger political units that are new to the scene. They're a modern mixture of empire and tribe based upon a shared identity that grew out of the changes in the modern world. Even Germany and Italy, which seem to us to be enduring units of obviously belong as a single unit, they didn't much exist more than 150 years ago. Italy's full unification came after World War I. In the ancient world, the city was the basic unit of governance. The existence of large groups with shared identities was really rare. Now, he mentions, yes, you've got uh, Rome and China, right? They were sort of like the, the, the proto-nations. But political scientists generally point to the uh, Peace of Westphalia, the 17th century Peace of Westphalia is when nation, uh, the nation-state was born. And there is an intellectual case to be made for that idea in international relations. But David Strom says he actually links it to the French Revolution, which sparked the psychological creation of the nation state. With the revolution creating the spark, Napoleon's mobilization of France for war, right, which, which mobilized millions of people into one unit. And, and they began thinking of themselves as French as part of this larger nation, right? Most nations today that are relatively stable all have the same basic formula. They have a relatively unified ethnic and linguistic unit where most people see themselves largely reflected in their fellow citizens, right? Nations are not government forms or geographic areas. They reflect the basic cultural unity of the group. And he goes on to explain some of this in some pretty good examples, I thought, like, um, like the French, did you know that they're on like their sixth or seventh governmental iteration since the French Revolution now? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. They, they've had, yeah, a lot, and most of us don't think that way because nobody thinks of France as anything but France, right? Their, their government has changed six, seven times, but, it, but they're still French, right? So reliable has this, uh, has this understanding become. But America has been unique because what's bound us together is a shared sense of history and devotion to an idea that has been embodied by the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. We share no ethnic backgrounds, right? We're, we're more culturally diverse than any other stable nation. However, until recently, all Americans, native-born or immigrant, had a basic understanding of and appreciation for our shared history and ideals. It's what brought the immigrants here, after all. And when they become Americans, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson are just as much theirs as the descendants of the troops who fought in the Revolutionary War, right? Once you're here, you're an American. This is your history, too. Think about the uh, all the movies... Uh, since World War II, all the military movies you see since World War II, right? 
What do they always show when, when, when they show the troops? Right? Diversity. Right? They're talking about, like, you got the guy from, uh, from Brooklyn and the guy from Mississippi. You got the Christian and the Jew right there. But they're all American. That's the idea. They're all American. They all emphasize this uniquely American way of being. They show people of different colors, ethnic backgrounds, religious creeds, how they're all united for a single cause. And what David Strom says is that the the military has been both a microcosm and the best example of this in our nation. Because for all the talk of diversity in civilian society, the military has genuinely been an example of diversity that actually works. It's because they got a common goal and everybody you know, works together to achieve that common goal. That's the idea. And so they, they kind of represent, the military represents like what our best ideals are of what we see in the civilian population, what we'd like to see in the civilian population. He goes on to say that America is fraying because without the common sense of purpose, nothing else binds us. Most Americans are not rooted in a place, right? We're moving all over the place. We don't share the same religion or ethnic background or any of the traditional ties that used to bind us. Our sense of trust has been based on the idea that we all believe in the same basic political philosophy, which many political scientists and sociologists, they characterize it as America's civil religion. It is that civil religion that is fraying. This is the problem. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. So America is fraying today because without the common sense of purpose, nothing else binds us. So writes David Strom at hotair.com. He said, Our sense of trust has been based on the idea that we all believe in the same basic political philosophy, which many political scientists and sociologists have characterized as America's civil religion. And we're losing it. And that's a problem. It is that civil religion that has been fraying. The belief that we are all essentially free and equal and that we all share the common American history That's our religious text of sorts, right, for the civil religion, right? If you're looking at this, uh, the the concept of nation-state built on an idea, not uh, not based on, uh, you know, ethnicity. It's not based on blood, right? It's, It's just, it's an idea. These are concepts. We ordered ourselves around some concepts. And those are our religious texts in this civil religion. George Washington, the Founders, the Great Emancipator, World War II, the Cold War, America the Liberator. That idea is no longer held to be either true or good by vast numbers of Americans 
and large swaths of the Democrat Party. They, they believe the civil religion of America is actually a lie. And that it's all a lie intended to oppress the disadvantaged. This is, yes, critical theory. This is Marxist ideology. They're undermining our shared civil religion and nothing else binds us. Christopher Rufo talked about this at a speech he gave recently over in Hungary, I believe, talking about how the uh, the concepts of limited government have now been a very useful tool against, quote-unquote, conservatives, but also the American project. Because people who want to see government limited don't feel good about using its power. But the people who want to see government expanded have no problem doing so. And the limited government folks, we have lost. We have lost this argument for the for the last century. Look at the 1619 project, right? And what was the premise there? That that's the real founding of the country, 1619, not 1776. That argument right there encapsulates everything. So is America fundamentally about oppression or freedom? What do we want it to be about? And what is it about? How do we make that happen? This is why there's so much talk of civil war. We don't see ourselves in each other anymore, and the differences are becoming really vast. Neither side believes in the fairness of the process. We don't even share the same goals, I don't think. The military has been the model for an America that works, not because the military is the most efficient part of our society. It's definitely not that. (laughs) Uh, Nor is it because it's run especially well or anything practical like that. It's because we believe that for all its flaws, when the chips are down, everybody's got each other's backs, right? That the military embodies our ideals even if in imperfect form. When we look around at the political landscape, is that what you see? Do you expect our society to move closer to that ideal or farther away in the next decade? Do you believe that the system is fundamentally fair, that everybody has a shot at success? If not, and few of us do, we have identified why America is facing trouble. Nothing besides those ideas bind us together other than a common currency and maybe the IRS. Right? That's it. If the ideas no longer bind us, then nothing really does. So if we're going to if we're going to have a, you know, a, a conversation about what it is to be an American citizen, what it is to be American, you know, I think that has to start off with some fundamental agreements about whether or not this grand experiment was designed for freedom or oppression. Maybe a little from column A and a little from column B. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, 
canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Pete, I think people have lived by the idea of live and let live, or I'll do for my family, and if it doesn't bother me, I don't care. I was there for very long, but the left has made it clear you will be made to care, so you better pick where you will stand. Right, that is um, a lot. You're seeing some of this with uh, with the Bud Light stuff and Target, sorry, Target, and now Kohl's. Right. The 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 forcing of these issues, that's what I think it was Eric Erickson who first coined that phrase, you will be made to care. And it wasn't it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like, oh, you'll be made to to join our side. It wasn't that that wasn't the intention. You'll be made to care about the things that I care about. No, you'll be made to care. And it means like you now have to kind of take up the cause. You are like pressed into service and people being Americans (laughs) part of our civil religion is a pretty wide anti-authoritarian streak and people don't like generally on the right especially do not like being told what to do and positions they have to take and especially when it comes to their kids and so when you start coming for the kids and you start wanting to talk with the, the kindergartners and first graders about your sexual preferences, fetishes, and pronouns, you engendered a response. And I think people have to, uh, I think people are sort of um, opening their eyes to the fact that the, this is the battle and we have to be here. And, and this is, I've said it before, you know, if you're going to enter into the arena and you're going to do battle like this, then you got to walk towards the fights. So the, the uh, by the way, I have to, I got to tell you, I only slept for about two hours last night. I was just so excited to get back on the show. No, I, I don't know what happened. I laid down, it was like midnight, laid in bed for like an hour, and then I just woke up and just started show prepping, went to bed after like three o'clock, up again at like six. So <clears throat> not sure. I don't know if I'm, if I'm coming down with something or what, but I don't feel sick. I mean, like, except in the head that, but no, that. Anyway, so if it feels like, if, if I sound a little off, that's what's going on. About two hours of sleep. And then I got to go meet somebody about a landscape project. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've said too much. Well, because my meteoric rise through the ranks of the HOA, I'm now on the, I'm now the, the chairman of the landscape committee. <laughs> so I have to go meet somebody about a landscape deal. Anyway, after the show. That's after the program. Um, so this, this shared sense of trust that David Strom is talking about, our sense of trust has been based on the idea that we all believe in the same basic political philosophy. And to Gary's point in this tweet, where he says, I think you know a lot of people have lived with this idea of live and let live, you know, and I'll just mind my own business and that sort of thing. That was that's my approach, by the way. That that is my approach. I don't. Uh, I'm a live and let live kind of a guy. Um, you want to do whatever you do, what you do, you. But you start trying to make me do stuff. Now I have a problem with that, and I have for my entire life. <laughs> so this is not a new development for me. My parents can attest. 
But this shared sense of um, trust and the same basic political philosophy that is referred to as America's civil religion is that, right, we are free and we are equal and we, sh- we all share in this common American history. This is our religious text of sorts, our civ- uh, civil religious text. Um, but it also it also has what he first calls their sense of trust, this pretty big component that in a free society, it requires trust. We require trust to operate as a free and functioning society. And that's why stories like we saw now, what, in Florida, which I would like to just register my opposition to any place being called Hollywood besides Hollywood out in California. I don't think you should get to take that name, Chris Farrell, one of the producers on the program here on WBT has identified another what there's another city named Las Vegas in New Mexico. I had no idea. I, I find that to be equally as outrageous. These are things that I think about that keep me awake at night. But no, the how this shooting down at this broad walk, I think is they call is what they call it down there. <clears throat> this, this you know, nine people shot because of some beef. Right? We got the 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 bus driver video, which, by the way, um, I know he's out of a job, and that's that's the price that you pay. But better to be unemployed, you know, fired and alive. You know, he's he got fired, but he's alive. That bus driver is alive. Because what, if he didn't have the firearm to protect himself from that lunatic that's on the bus? Oh, don't worry. Guns are prohibited on the bus. Oh, whew, thank goodness. Yeah, Katz fired David Fullard. That was the driver. This video has now gone viral where where you know people are seeing it all over America where this this lunatic Omari Sharif Tobias 22, you may want to sit down for this by the way. Has a rap sheet. I know, who would have who would have ever conceived such a thought. So he comes up to the front of the bus and he starts telling the driver, um, stop before you get to the next bus stop. He, uh, he wants to be let off someplace where there isn't a bus stop. Now, okay, I have never ridden a bus on Charlotte Area Transit. I have ridden the light rail line a few times, and I read, uh, rode the trolley, which is a bus. The old trolley, the gold rush thing, right? Not the real trolley that they ended up putting into the tracks in order to help Anthony Fox win the mayor's race. And yes, and completely blew up the funding for the whole program. But I mean, the important thing was Anthony Fox got his political career launched, right? That's the important thing. Anyway, um, the, uh, the 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 bus that looked like the trolley or whatever. Oh, I think I actually did ride the trolley too. So all right, so I got three. I have three of the of the cats uh, vehicles in my portfolio. Never rode the bus, but I don't think you're allowed to get the bus to stop mid route. I think that's why they put the bus stops where they put them, right? I mean they do studies to find out where to put them, then they then they dig the sign, you know, put the sign in the ground and if you're in Los Angeles, they give you uh, that sombrita, whatever it is, that little 24-inch wide little shade thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but anyway, um 
So he comes up to the front of the bus and tells the driver he wants him to stop. And the driver's like, no. And he says, you need to get back to your seat. You're not supposed to be up here. At which point, Tobias loses whatever is left of his mind and starts screaming at the guy, daring him, daring the driver to touch him. I dare you to touch me. I'm going to pop your, I guess, posterior. At which point, then, Tobias pulls out a gun. And then so does the driver. Multiple shots are fired at basically point-blank range. Bullet holes riddle the shield. Um, Tobias then hit, crawls uh, towards the back of the bus, and jumps out the back. And then the driver, Fullard, the driver follows him out and starts shooting at him outside. Which, uh, like, that's... That's 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 too much. Like the threat has been neutralized. He has gotten off the bus, right? That like that's. I don't think you need to follow him off the bus and start shooting at him as he's ducking for cover behind the the clothes donation box. You know. But he got fired. The driver got fired because he's not supposed to be packing heat. And this is a decision every driver is going to make on their own. You know. Is it better to be alive? and fired, then dead and hired. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th, from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock, it's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. Yes, we will get we will get to the debt ceiling stuff. All right, but uh, last bit here on the... Uh Charlotte buses have two silent alarms, one that allows security to listen into what's happening on the bus and another that displays 911 call police on the outside of the bus. So when you're driving around and somebody's got you held at gunpoint, you know, threatening you or demanding that you drive them someplace, you can turn the sign on the front of the bus. So instead of saying out of service, like they always say, it'll it'll say, uh, please call 911. 911 call police. So if you see a bus, did you ever know that? I never knew that. So if you ever see a bus with the out of service sign on the top of it that now says 911 call police, you're supposed to call police. So Keanu Reeves might be on board with Sandra Bullock. You never know. Uh, But then there's the silent alarm that they can hit. So this way the security people can listen in to you getting murdered, which is helpful, I guess. I don't know. And and the video, they'll have the video too, so they can see after the fact who did it. Um, in 2022, oh, by the way, Fullard, the driver, did not hit either of those buttons, which I would submit probably because he didn't have time to. The guy came up and got agitated very quickly, produced the gun very, very quickly, and Dullard, uh, sorry, Fullard, Dullard, Fullard, sorry, that was, it was David Fullard, uh, and then he he pulled out his gun very quickly as well. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The criminal chose the wrong driver, and he got shot for it. In twenty two, 
41-year-old Katz driver Ethan Rivera died after being shot aboard his bus. Police charged Darian Drew Thavichith. 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 Whatever. 21. With murder and uh, shooting into an occupied vehicle. More than $5.5 million, Charlotte Observer reports, could be allocated for camera replacements, dispatch upgrades, and safety programs if Katz's proposed capital project budget for 2024-28 is approved. Sorry, uh, 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 how about the uh, bulletproof glass? Is that in the budget? Remember that idea? I'm old enough to remember that idea. But remember, it was pitched by a couple of Republicans who were running for city council, and so therefore... It's a terrible idea. We can't do that. The answer is gun control that the city doesn't have any control over. Rather than securing the the driver's areas on the buses, no, no, best to do nothing and then fire drivers who take security into their own hands. This goes back to the shared sense of public trust, that we are in this society together. When this stuff starts breaking down, the society cannot function. There is. A, have you seen this video out of uh, Georgia, Atlanta? The Lululemon is that is that how you pronounce that? Lululemon. I mean, I'm just. Or is it Lululemon? I don't know. But they fired a couple of their employees in one of their stores, and I've actually been to this store. We went to this. Uh, uh, this place, Peachtree Corners. They have been robbed by the same group of thugs for a dozen times now, I want to say. A dozen times. And the corporate policy is don't engage, do not attempt to stop them, and don't file a police report because we don't want people to get scared. This is not the way forward, people. I'll get to more details on that. Yes, we also have the debt ceiling deal. Stick around.